Well, good morning, and good morning. Uh, sometimes we talk about uh, feeling like the preacher's preaching right at you, and uh, for our music team, uh, they're the only ones here in front of me this morning if you can't see them. So yes, I am preaching right at you. And um, before we jump into our, our talk today, I wanted to let you know about an opportunity that is uh, very uh, immediate uh, for some volunteers that are needed. Uh, many of you know, if you got your weekend email and looked at the links, uh, I the little video inviting you to participate with the Simcoe Muskoka Health Unit. They are here two times a week or three times a week doing vaccine clinics here at New Life. And this week, uh, with the rise of Omicron, they are doing a, a big push. So tomorrow on Monday and Wednesday, they are here from 9 a.m. until 9 p.m. And they need extra volunteers. And we've offered to try to help provide those. So in the video description down below, there's a link that you can sign up on our New Life uh, site and put your name down. We need uh, four volunteers tomorrow and five on Wednesday, and uh, we will contact you if you put your, your name down there, and we'll try to sort that out. It's four-hour shifts. You have to be double-vaxxed. You must be 18, and um, we will let you know how that's going to play out. So nine to one, one to five, five to nine both Monday and Wednesday, and it would be great if we could provide the extra volunteers that they need. They'll provide the, the protective equipment and all that will be needed, and they'll guide you in what you're doing, but uh, we want to partner with them as much as we can. So, <clears throat> there's that announcement. Uh, let's jump into what we're going to talk about today. And uh, as things have increased this week, as the news has been giving us uh, more bad information or bad news... Uh, I wonder if you just kind of feel like you want to look up at God and say, wake up! Can't you see what's going on here? Do something, man. This is the second time around. I don't know if you feel like that. I feel like that. Like, this is deja vu, and it's getting old, God. And we're tired of the storms. We're tired of hearing about a tidal wave of Omicron coming. And it doesn't matter if you agree with the health professionals or not, whether you think it's serious or not serious. It's disrupting your world. And I wonder if you just want to shout to God, wake up! And this is where I'm so grateful for, for the scriptures, for the, the biblical writers who give voice to how we are still feeling today and how we are experiencing life today. So our verse this morning is from Isaiah 52, and it's around this theme of peace. And if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to grab your Bible, look up Isaiah 52 and verse 7. We're going to look at that in a moment. But sometimes it's helpful to look at the context around a single verse. And I actually want to jump into Isaiah chapter 51 and just lay a bit of groundwork here for you. The nation Israel uh, is dealing with being captive in a foreign country. They've been invaded by, an, by a foreign country, and many of their people deported. And they're wrestling with what's happening in their world. And they're in, in Isaiah 51, uh, Israel in, as a collective body are struggling in their faith with where God is at in their lives and how he is operating. And they're, they're struggling to think that God cares. And so in chapter 51, verse 9, Isaiah the prophet gives voice to the nation of Israel, and they are yelling at God, Wake up, God! Aren't you the one who led us out of, the, out of Egypt and cleared up the sea for us? And pay attention to that reference about clearing up the sea. And they're yelling at God, Wake up! Do something, man! Like, don't you care about what's going on in our world? 
And it's interesting as you read through chapter 51. Because there's another reference, not just to the Red Sea, but to God saying to Israel, listen, I'm the God that deals with storms and deals with waves. You can read that in verse 15. And then in Isaiah 51, verse 17, God actually flips the tables, and he's the one saying to Israel, you wake up. I'm actually at work in this world, and there are things happening that you have no idea about. So wake up. And then you come to chapter 52, verse 1. And whenever you're reading the scriptures and you see something repeated, it's worth paying attention to. So in the middle of chapter 51, God says to Israel, wake up. In chapter 52, verse 1, he says it again. Wake up, Israel. Get dressed. We've got things to do. And then this is where good news starts to come into the story. In the middle of their crazy lives uh, in captivity, in the middle of their giant storm of life, God says, if you're paying attention, there's good news coming. And this brings us to our verse for the week with this theme of peace, Isaiah 52, verse 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news the good news of peace and salvation and the good news that the God of Israel still reigns. And it's in that context that God says to Israel, wake up yourself and see what is happening in the world around you. There is good news taking place and it's right here. And there's this reference to someone coming down the mountain. And so in, in Isaiah 51 and 52, you've got this reference to the sea and you've got this reference to the mountain where Israel is saying to God, aren't you the one who parted the Red Sea for us? And God says, yes, I'm the God who has control over the storms. And I think at this point, it's helpful sometimes to understand the culture of ancient peoples. So whenever you read in your Bible about water, about the ocean, about the depths, that is symbolic of what ancient people referred to as chaos. So when you read about God parting the Red Sea or God turning the Nile to blood, ancient people believed that the water represented chaotic forces in this world that were warring against humanity and warring against the gods. So when you're reading through the book of Job, and in Job 38, God says to Job, where were you at the beginning of time when I set the boundaries for the waters? And I said, you can go this far and no further. That's this understanding of chaos. That chaos is in this world and it is working against us. And when you read any ancient Near Eastern literature... The reference to water is about chaos. And even in our Bible, you'll see all kinds of references to God being over the waters. Genesis 1, the very beginning, God is hovering over the waters. God is keeping chaos at bay in check. There are storms in life, and there's good news of peace that comes down off the mountain. So I want to jump ahead with you to the New Testament, one of the Gospels, the Gospel of Mark. And I want to look at two stories in particular that really reference this kind of a scene, the, the scene of the messenger of peace coming down off the mountain where it's serene and calm, and then contrast that with being on the water when there's a storm at play.
And so we're going to look at in the Mark's Gospel, chapter 4 and chapter 6. And in chapter 4, Jesus has been doing a whole lot of teaching. And he's been doing a lot of miracles. And, and he says to his disciples, let's get out onto the boat. So in verse 35, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat, and they started out leaving the crowds behind. And if you're familiar with this story, as they go out on the lake, a violent storm erupts. Now, Lake Galilee is this small little lake. This is the lake that's being referenced in Israel. It's 53 kilometers in circumference. It's not a big lake. It's surrounded by mountains. And and the way that wind patterns happen there, very quickly, violent storms can happen. And you get these enormous waves that are happening, much like this wave here. This is actually a wave of a, this is a picture taken of Lake Erie uh, during one of its storms. And so small bodies of water can get exceptionally large waves that are happening in them. And Mark tells us in Mark 4 that this storm was so violent that the waves were swamping over the boat. And the boat was filling with water. And the disciples are freaking out and panicking, desperately trying to keep the boat afloat. And the whole time this scene is happening, with this violent storm rocking the boat all over the place, filling it with water, that they can't even bail it out fast enough because the waves are coming over so much, in the back of the boat... Jesus is lying there sleeping. And, and if that's not remarkable enough, you've got to kind of explore some of the questions here. How in the world could anybody in a storm like that be sleeping in the back of a boat? And one, it might tell you about how tired Jesus was from the ministry he was doing. But Mark is setting up this, this interesting contrast that we've got people in the boat in the middle of a storm who are, who are desperately trying to get themselves out of it. And you've got one individual who's sleeping through it all. They didn't like storms. They knew how storms worked. And storms were deadly. And they were unpredictable. They wanted to do everything they could to get out of a storm. And at one point, they look and there's their colleague sleeping in the back of the boat. So they do what any normal person would do. They start screaming at him, wake up, man! What are you doing? Don't you care that we drown? You're the guy who's brought us out here. How in the world could you be asleep at a time like this? It's really rather fascinating. Jesus gets up, and he looks at them, and he says, why Why are you afraid? Where's your faith? And then he gives a simple word, and the storm dies down. And of course, the disciples see this, and they're like, hey, that's great. Thank you. No, they don't. They freak out. They're terrified now, not of the storm. They're terrified of Jesus. What is going on here? Well, again, I'm going to help us see the context here. Do you remember what we read in Job 38 when I said that there's this reference to God keeping the waters in check. That water represents chaos. And in their case, it was a literal chaos, but they also realized the powers that are behind it all. And maybe they're thinking about Psalm 107. The book of Psalms is divided into five books, and the fifth book, the very first Psalm, is Psalm 107. And it tells three examples of people who are in great distress, and they cry out to God for help. And God, in his great love, rescues them. 
And in the, the example near the end of the psalm, we read about people who are on the sea in boats. And they're in huge distress. And they cry out for help. And what we read in Psalm 107 is that God, through his voice, stills the wind and calms the waves. And I wonder if maybe they had their eyes open for just a moment when they saw this guy standing in the boat who'd been sleeping. And with a word, he calms the storm. It's no wonder they were terrified. Because they were standing with somebody in the boat who had power over the chaos. How in the world could Jesus sleep like that? And, and maybe if you've grown up in the church and you've been a Christian all your life and you've read the story again and again and again, your natural inclination is, well, he's God. You know, like, what does God have to worry about? And I think for, for those of us who are steeped in the faith, this is our struggle to see the true humanity of Jesus, the two natures in one person, fully God and fully human. And fully human, Jesus is lying in the boat, and he has so much trust and faith in God in the midst of the storm that he's not panicking. In fact, he's at peace enough that he can rest. Maybe he's thinking of Psalm 139, where the psalmist writes, God, where can I go to flee from your presence? If I go up to the heights, you're there. If I go down to the depths, if I sink down to the heart of Sheol, to the bowels of the earth, even there I will find you. There's nowhere I can go to get away from you. And I wonder if Jesus is able to sleep on the boat because he just knows whatever happens, God is right there with them. And none of this is outside of his control or his care. Even if the boat capsizes and they all drown, there's nowhere they can go where they're going to be away from God or their loved ones that they might have left behind. And there's this profound faith in God's ability to keep chaos at bay and to orchestrate his plan and to lead us into what he desires for us as his people, for all people. Let's jump over a couple chapters. Mark chapter 6. It's another story about another storm, except the mountains included in this one. Jesus is with his disciples doing all kinds of ministry. And at one point he says to them, hey, let's hop in the boat. And they go on the boat. Interesting, the storms come, but they still go back out on the boat because they have to. It's a part of life. And only this time in Mark 6, uh, midway through, they're actually just having a leisurely time on the boat. And they come off the boat on one side of the lake, and they're met by a huge crowd of people. And they're in the, the wilderness. They're in the middle of nowhere. And what Mark tells us is that the people actually were getting hungry, and they needed to eat. So Jesus says to the disciples, we're going to feed them. And essentially what they do, and what we would call with, with a few crackers and some sardines, they feed over 5,000 people. And everyone um, is well fed. We don't really read about people being astonished because nobody really knew what was going on. They just were given food. The disciples knew what was happening. And then after that, Mark says in verse 45 in Mark 6, immediately Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida where he sent the people home. So he sends the disciples back onto the lake. And then he stays on the side of the mountain to pray. And then Mark tells us in the middle of the night, about 3 o'clock in the morning, another storm 
comes on the lake. And once again, the disciples are in the boat, and they are panicked, and they're frantically trying to, to beat the storm, to overcome the storm. And, and isn't it amazing when you're caught in a storm how puny you feel, how out of control you feel? This past week, we had a few windstorms that came through. Lots of trees down, lots of power out. And when you're standing in the middle of the wind like that, nature makes you feel tiny and helpless. And if you've ever been on the water in major storms, you have a little bit of a taste of what they were going through. And Jesus is on the mountain watching them in the middle of the night. I have no idea actually like how in the world could he see them. It is a small lake. But in the middle of the night he knows that they're there and he's on the mountain. And you'd think this is a a great time for you to just kind of, you know, do your thing, Jesus. Peace, be still. But he doesn't do that. In the first story, the storm is happening and the disciples are in the boat and Jesus is in the back of the boat sleeping. This time, the storm is raging. The disciples are are frantically trying to, in everything in their own power, overcome the storm because they feel like they're going to care for themselves. Jesus isn't with them. He's not asleep in the boat. This time, he decides he's going to go for a walk on the water and if you were my age and you grew up in church you probably had a a Sunday school teacher with a flannel graph and a little Jesus that they moved along the flannel graph and he's smiling and happy and the disciples are terrified in the boat and it's like Jesus was hovering over the water I don't think that's at all what happened Jesus walked through waves And he got soaked. And I wonder if he had to jump out of the way or navigate around those waves. And when the disciples see him, it's so bad that they don't suddenly go like, oh, good, it's Jesus. They're not expecting this at all. So they scream even more because they feel like they've seen a ghost. They're facing death in the face, and then they think that they're looking at a ghost. It's like, well, I'm going to be the next ghost. And then Jesus yells out to them, Relax. It's me. Have a bit of courage. Don't be afraid. And then he climbs into the boat, and the storm passes. And again, they're astonished. They don't understand. And, and Mark puts this line in here um, that they didn't understand. But right before that, when they saw Jesus on the water... Jesus isn't walking to them, which is maybe why they got freaked out. It's not like Jesus is walking to them and they see him. Oh, okay, he's coming to help us. It says that Jesus was passing by. Don't you find that curious? If your friends are in the boat drowning in the storm, wouldn't you go to them to help? But no, he's, he's walking past them. And I wonder if what Mark is doing is just tipping his hand a little bit to some of the knowledge that his readers, original readers, would have of the Old Testament of a guy named Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19, where God says to Elijah, Elijah's going through the storms of life. Not literal, but his life is falling apart around him. And God says, Elijah, go on the side of the mountain. Here's this mountain water theme happening. And Elijah goes out on the side of the mountain, and this huge storm comes over the mountain. There's fire, there's wind, there's earthquakes. It's a massive storm, and God's not in any of it. And then there's this gentle whisper, and Elijah has an encounter with God. And I wonder if what Jesus is doing is just playing out that theme. 
I'm just going to pass by you. You can see my glory as I go past. And the slightest whisper of God is able to put the chaos of storms at bay. And the disciples don't understand. Mark says they didn't understand the significance of the bread. Like, what does that have to do with anything? you got to tie the stories together. Jesus just fed 5,000 people with a couple pieces of bread and a, and a few leathery fish. And all the uncertainty un, uh, of life and the chaos that continually wants to rob us of peace God is present, and he's there, and he's caring for people. And here in the second story of a storm, Jesus is just walking by. And then he climbs in the boat. We don't like storms. See, I think, I think for a lot of people, when they read these stories, and you tie this to peace... We associate peace with the calm that comes after the storm. But in this story, Jesus is on the mountain. And he comes down off the mountain. And they experience peace and salvation. How beautiful on the mountain are the feet of the messenger who brings good news of peace and salvation. That the God of Israel still reigns. And I think... When we read the story, we have the perspective of being able to see what happens. They're in the middle of it. And I wonder sometimes if you might be tempted to think, like, I don't, can't believe that they don't understand. But I wonder if you put yourself in the boat with them, how you might respond. You see, right now in this week, um, we're hearing language from health professionals using things like tidal wave and fourth wave and and storms and it's completely disrupting all of life and many people are trying to do everything they can to take care of themselves in the storm because they assume they're on their own and I wonder if maybe in the middle of this storm that you're experiencing whether you've missed Jesus passing by or you've seen him, but you're not understanding. You see, we want peace like what the verse talks about. But I think we want the peace that comes after the storm. And the Isaiah passage is about a messenger who comes down the mountain with good news in the midst of the storm. And the stories of the disciples on the boat with Jesus, or Jesus passing by in Mark 4 and Mark 6, are not about the peace that comes after the storm. It's about somebody who's relaxed enough in the middle of the storm because of their faith in God the Father. And I wonder if maybe you feel like shouting to God, Wake up! Don't you care what's happening? And maybe God is saying to you and to me today, wake up. Get dressed. We've got things to do. Be at peace. And it doesn't matter if the storm sinks the boat because there's nowhere you can go where God is not. And Jesus was aware of that. And he was fully comfortable with leaving his life in God's hands. 
I don't know what kind of storm you might be having. Maybe it's not much. But maybe you just feel like this, this last time around, and the sense I'm getting is that most of us are fed up with this stuff. I'm not allowed to say what I really want to say. We're tired of it. And we want the storm to end. And I think there's a messenger of peace coming to us in the Spirit of God that wants us to have good news in the midst of the storm. Now, no matter what happens in your life, in my life, in our lives, with this church, with any church, there's nothing that can happen that is outside of what, what God is able to orchestrate into his plan. So sink or swim, drown, stay afloat, storm, no storm. There's a peace that comes that passes understanding when we're anxious about things, that comes through a prayer and through just holding on in faith that God is present in all of it, no matter what happens. And for me, that's kind of an encouraging thought. I hope it is for you too. Let's pray. Chaos is all around us, God. In our economic systems, in our political systems, in our social systems, in our environmental systems. And we don't like the storms. And our temptation is to take matters into our own hands and try to save ourselves. And I pray today that Isaiah 52 verse 7 would be a, a, a beacon for us how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news of peace and salvation that the God of Israel still reigns. And that is true as much then as it is today. And we hold on to that in hope, in love, in joy, and hopeful for your peace now, not when everything's over. Jesus, you are our peace. And we hold to you today in faith and confidence. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for, uh, for watching. And uh, Christmas Eve, Friday night, I think. Is it Friday night? Friday night, 7 o'clock, uh, we'll have another live stream and looking at uh, this concept of God showing up in just the right time. So we'll see you then. Bye for now.